0: This is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts, this is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your Squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios. Hi, atop the tallest tree in the piney woods. Good to have you with us. It is Thursday, the 25th day of January, 2024. We have exactly 11 months until Christmas. So get on that Christmas shopping. <laughs> How are you today? Good to have you with us. Oh, man. Had a great time with the youth last night at, uh, Frenchtown Community Church. Uh, Wednesday nights are great. Missed last week. We we had to cancel because of a snowstorm. So we didn't get together last week. But yesterday, I don't even think it got below freezing last night. Um, we've been in the 40s in the last few days. Let me see what the... I haven't looked at the weather yet this morning. Let's see what it's saying. Our temperature is outside. According to the Weather Pro app, it is 28 degrees so it did get down below freezing last night but our high today is supposed to be 39 our high tomorrow is supposed to be 46 uh 46 and rain on sunday 50 or 46 and rain on saturday and then 50 and rain on sunday so remember two weeks ago we were 30 below This is montana weather uh and and this is and this is typical this is the sort of weather we've had my entire life um always seem to have a cold snap always seem to have you know midwinter thaws uh you know just a i mean that's the 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 uh the word chinook means snow eater. And that's a warm wind that blows in the winter and melts all the snow. Um, and that's, that's an old Native American word. I don't know what tribe or language. But, um, you know, predates industrialization. So, you know, blame global warming all you want. <laughs> it, uh, it, it, man-caused climate change is not a thing. It is a political uh, maneuver. It is a power grab. Now, it is the eschatology of the religion of naturalistic materialism. Um, But, uh, yeah, I'm not too worried about Earth becoming too warm. I I laugh about that because you think about it. They used to grow... There they were wine vineyards in northern England in medieval times. I mean, we're not talking, you know, thousands of years ago. We're talking hundreds of years ago. Um, so, you know, within historic times, it has been much warmer than it is now. Within historic times, it's been colder than it is now. Guess what? It's weather, <laughs> it's cyclical. It has much more to do with, uh, you know, the varying output from the sun than it does, you know, cow farts. So anyway, (laughs) all of that to say, had a good time at church last night. The weather was great. The weather's going to be great today. Um, get to have lunch with my granddaughter today, which is always fun. Uh, and, uh, and her mom, <laughs> my daughter as well. It's going to be fun. We try to get together every month or so and uh, have lunch together. And uh, I wish, you know, we live, live too far away really to be more frequent than that. But uh, we'll uh, uh, try to work something out to increase the frequency of visits because I enjoy spending time with them. All right, this is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and anything else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. You can head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to I guarantee it. Hmm. Coffee. Yeah. Um, not, haven't been up since four o'clock and this is not my second pot of coffee. Um, got another good night's sleep last night. Um, it is funny that I need less sleep than I used to. I, I was up at five this morning. um, But I mean, I got home from church last night. I was in bed by 1030 and six hours is really, that's, that's how much I sleep these days. People, you know, the one thing I miss about youth is that ability to sleep. I miss going to bed. And if I didn't set the alarm, I could sleep till noon and I mean sleep deep undisturbed sleep for hours on end. And now six hours, it doesn't matter. I can, doesn't matter when I go to bed. It doesn't matter that I turn off all the alarms. Doesn't matter that I'm planning on sleeping in six, seven hours and, and I'm wide awake and I have, laid in bed wide awake for hours. And finally I was like, you know, I'm, I'm awake. I'm going to get up and do stuff, (laughs) you know, read or something like that. Even if I'm just, you know, sitting in front of the computer playing a video game, just get out of bed. You're awake. Don't, don't try to lay there. But uh, yeah, um, that's the one thing I miss about youth is that, that deep, hours-long, uninterrupted sleep. What I wouldn't give to, to have a weekend when I could sleep like that again. Um, that would be nice, um, just as a, a taste of it. And, and honestly, you know, are we going to sleep in eternity? Will our glorified bodies require or desire sleep? I hope so. Not because you know, because sleep is enjoyable. I don't know. It's it's one of those we're going to be that, that's uh, uh, one of those speculative things we really don't know what eternity is going to be like. We know a lot. We know that we will be physical beings. We know that there will be a new heavens and new earth and that's referring to earth and space within it that that it is it occupies it's not talking about a new heaven in the dwelling of god it's talking about a new a new heavens and a new earth where the old creation is done away with and there is a new creation that we will inhabit and it's going to be you know not a restoration of eden but a perfection of eden um, there will be no possibility of another fall, but we will have things to do. It's not going to be, you know, absolutely boring. It's not going to be that old Far Side cartoon where you have a guy sitting all alone on a cloud with a harp, and the caption is, "Man, I wished I brought a magazine." <laughs> That's not going to be eternity. It's not some ethereal, uh, endless heavenly choir, you know, thing. Now, there is going to be the worship aspect of it and, you know, basking in the presence of God. But we're going to have stuff to do. We're going to have places to go. We're going to have things to enjoy. And, you know, that's... It's going to be a perfected life, but we will be physical beings. We will have physical bodies. We're not gonna be disembodied spirits floating around in the clouds. And, and you know, what will it be like? You know, so we, we can't conceive of a world without sin. Um, and so our concepts of absolute sinlessness fall woefully short. Um, but at the same time, we can imagine dwelling physically in a new heavens and a new earth in absolute perfection and an absolute joy and in absolute worship, you know, to finally love the Lord, our God, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, which we're incapable of now, you know, I mean, the, the barest, barest microsecond. We might be able to achieve, (laughs) maybe, I doubt it, in this life of perfectly loving God with all of our being. But in eternity, you know, what will that be like? It'll be perfect. It'll be all the time. I, 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 you know, but yes, I hope we'll be able to sleep (laughs) because I enjoy sleep and it will be a peaceful sleep with no, you know bad dreams and no you know none of the you know no disturbed sleep no nothing that'll bother you you just get to sleep and enjoy uh yeah you know, I'm hoping <laughs> I'm hoping all right what do we got coming up today we have scripture readings from the legacy standard bible we have prayers from the book of common prayer We have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ, and it's Thursday. So it's Theology Thursday. We are looking at chapter 19 of the 1689 of the Law of God, and we're going to pick up in paragraph 4. Might just limit our remarks to paragraph 4, might do paragraph 4 and 5. There are seven paragraphs, but 4 is a real short one, so we may do 5 as well. We'll see what it looks like when we get there. Um, And I've looked at the weather. I need to get my clock back up on my phone so that I know what time it is and how late we're going. All right. Let us begin as is our practice with the prayer of confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Let us confess our sins to Almighty God. Almighty and most merciful Father, And now our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who caused all Holy Scripture to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Our scripture reading today is Genesis 32 and Psalm 32. Genesis chapter 32. Now Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. Then Jacob said when he saw them, This is God's camp. So he named that place Mananaim. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He also commanded them, saying, Thus you shall say to my lord, to Esau, Thus says your servant Jacob. I have sojourned with Laban, and have been delayed until now, and I have oxen and donkeys and flocks and male and female slaves, and I have sent to tell my lord that I may find favor in your sight. Then the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to you, brother, to Esau, and furthermore he is coming to meet you, and four hundred men are with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people who were with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two camps. And he said, If Esau comes to the one camp and strikes it, then the camp which remains will escape. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Yahweh, who said to me, Return to your land and to your kin, and I will prosper you. I am unworthy of all the loving-kindness and all the truth which you have shown to your slave. For with my staff only I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two camps. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. For I fear him, lest he come and strike me down with the mothers and the children. For you said, I will surely prosper you and make your seed as the sand of the sea, which is too great to be numbered. So he spent the night there. Then he took from what he had and he, he took from what he had with him a present for his brother Esau, two hundred female goats and twenty male goats, two hundred ewes and twenty rams, thirty milking camels and their colts, forty cows and ten bulls, twenty female donkeys and ten male donkeys and he gave them into the hand of his servants, every flock by itself, and said to his servants, "Pass on before me and put a space." Between the flocks. And he commanded the first one in front, saying, When my brother Esau meets you and asks you, saying, To whom do you belong? And where are you going? And to whom do these animals in front of you belong? Then you shall say, These belong to your servant Jacob. It is a present sent to my Lord, to Esau. And behold, he also is behind us. Then he commanded also the second and the third, and all those who followed the flocks, saying, after this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him, and you shall say, Behold, your servant Jacob also is behind us. For he will—for said, I will appease his face with the present that goes before me, then afterward I will see his face, perhaps he will lift up my face. So the present passed on before him while he himself spent the night in the camp. And he arose that same night and took his two wives and his two servant women and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. And he took them and sent them across the stream, and he sent across whatever he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of dawn. And he saw that he had not prevailed against him, so he touched the socket of his thigh. And so the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he rustled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him and said, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the place Peniel. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been delivered. And the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Penuel, and he was limping on his thigh. Therefore, to this day, the sons of Israel do not eat the sinew of the hip, which is on the socket of the thigh, because he touched the socket of Jacob's thigh. In the sinew of the hip. Now, Psalm 32 of David, a maskil. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man whose iniquity Yahweh will not take into account, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the heart of summer. Selah. I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I did not cover up. I said, I will confess my transgressions to Yahweh. And you you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Therefore, let every Holy One pray to you at a time when you may be found. Surely, in a flood of great waters, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You guard me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah. I will give you insight and teach you the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose harness are bit and bridle to control them. Otherwise, they will not come near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but he who trusts in Yahweh, loving kindness shall surround him. Be glad in Yahweh and rejoice, you righteous ones, and shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. This is the word of the Lord. And now our reading from Daily Readings from the Life of Christ by John MacArthur. This is volume one, by the way, Daily Readings from the Life of Christ volume one. And, uh, as has been noted, we are nowhere near the calendar date of the devotion. Um, these devotionals have 365 readings, one for every day of the year. We are only doing Monday through Friday. We didn't start at the beginning of the year and we've, we, we miss all the weekends and we miss the times I'm not here. Um, and so we are actually in June twenty-first. Is the uh, um, the devotional today, which is entitled "Asking for Wisdom." So, if you're trying to follow along on your copy, I'm prob- I'm nowhere near January twenty-fifth. Uh, <laughs> it's like, what's the date today? You to look at the watch, figure it out. So today's devotional is asking for wisdom. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Dr. MacArthur writes, Our Heavenly Father is generous to us and promises we have access to His eternal and unlimited treasure to meet our own needs as well as the needs of others. Even when we have been cleansed of our own sin, we need divine wisdom to know how to help a brother remove the speck from his eye. God's wisdom is one of our greatest needs. We can't be discerning and discriminating without divine counsel from our Heavenly Father. And the primary means for achieving that wisdom is prayer. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach and it will be given to him, James 1.5. Along with God's perfect and infallible word, we need his spirit to interpret and illumine, to encourage and to strengthen. He does not want us to have all the answers. He wants us to be students who search the scriptures. The Bible is a limitless source of divine truth. But apart from God himself, We can't begin to fathom its depths or mine its riches. God gives enough truth for us to be responsible, but enough mystery for us to be dependent. He gives us his word not only to direct our lives, but to draw our lives to him. So when you need God's wisdom to make spiritual decisions, ask God for it. Ask yourself, Part of feeling as though God isn't providing us wisdom is that we don't know how to receive it or what's required in listening for it. How has God most often supplied you with the wisdom you need to handle a certain situation? All right. It is Thursday, Theology Thursday. We are in chapter 19 of the 1689 of the law of God. And as I said, it has seven paragraphs. We have done three of them. And today we will look at the fourth. Um, probably just going to do the fourth. The fifth one's pretty long. So I'm thinking I'll just do the fourth paragraph. And, uh, and that will be where we stop today. But I'm going to read the first three paragraphs. Then I'll read the fourth paragraph and we'll break it down. Paragraph one. God gave Adam a law of universal obedience written in his heart, and a particular precept of not eating the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, by which he bound him in all his posterity to personal, entire, exact, and perpetual obedience, promised life upon the fulfilling, and threatened death upon the breach of it, and endued him with power and ability to keep it. Paragraph 2. That same law that was first written in the heart of man continued to be a perfect rule of righteousness after the fall and was delivered by God upon Mount Sinai in Ten Commandments and written in two tablets, the, first, the four first containing our duty towards God and the other six our duty to man. Paragraph 3. Besides this law, commonly called moral, God was pleased to give to the people of Israel ceremonial laws containing several typical ordinances, Partly of worship, preconfiguring Christ, his grace, actions, sufferings, and benefits, and partly holding forth diverse instructions of moral duties. All which ceremonial laws being appointed only to the time of reformation are by Jesus Christ the true Messiah and only lawgiver who was furnished with power from the Father for that end abrogated and taken away. Paragraph 4, which is where we are today. To them also he gave sundry judicial laws, which expired together with the state of that people, not obliging any now by virtue of their institution, their general equity only being of moral use. So we have the laws that were given to govern Israel that are particular to the governance of Israel. Um, you know some of the, the property laws and how the, you know, property was to be handled, the inheritance laws, um, so many, so many judicial laws for the governing of the nation, which, you know, were the law of ancient Israel, but are not the law of, you know, the United States of America or England or Germany or Saudi Arabia or wherever you live on this globe. Um, so these were, you know, the, the, excuse me, judiciary, sundry judiciary laws. These laws expired with the nation. These were the laws of an ancient nation, just as, you know, Babylon had their laws. Egypt had their laws. Israel had its laws and these laws, while they, they reflect morality their details are variable. And that's what it's saying is that the, that law is no longer, um, you know, it's, it, that law doesn't have any, um, authority outside of its jurisdiction. However, the moral precepts, which back that law are universal give you an example there was a law um, in the in the Torah that you had to build a parapet around your roof so that somebody wouldn't fall off well we don't have flat roofs that we use as living areas most of us you know the roof here is pitched and very rarely do we get up there and that only for maintenance and stuff So because my roof is not a living area, there's no railing up there to keep people from falling off because they shouldn't be up there in the first place. But the principle of taking steps to protect other people is still a moral principle. That's why my front porch does have a railing. Yeah. There's a handrail on the steps leading up to the front door. So that, you know, not only for my own safety and convenience, and the railing on the porch gives us a place to put nuts for the squirrel, but that's a different story. Not only are those things for our convenience, they are there to protect people. Now, the fact is, there is a legal code that requires. A railing above a platform of a certain height off the ground, and it tells you how tall it how tall it is. It tells you the minimum or maximum space between the the uprights. It has to be you know the the uprights on the the railing have to be close enough together that a, an infant can't get their head through them. Um, it's designed so that you know. Uh, it's designed to protect people. And we have a code, a building code, that says how that railing should be constructed. And there's, there's a wide variety of ways you can do it, but it has to meet that code. And that code is there for the protection of people. Well, that code is different from the law of ancient Israel but it's the same moral principle behind it that you need to take steps to protect people from falling. If you have a living area that's elevated and that's inside the house or outside the house. So if you have a second story on your house with a balcony, it has to have a railing. Um, And, and so there's a moral principle there, the, the general equity being of moral use. So there's a, there's a provision of the law that the ancient letter of the law no longer applies, but that moral principle is still there. Um, And the moral principle, you know, what is the moral principle of protecting people from falling from your balcony? The moral principle is love your neighbor as yourself. You see how that works? I don't want my neighbor to fall because I love him. Therefore I am going to build A railing to protect him from falling. And because obeying the law, Matthew 13, (laughs) we are to be subject to the magistrates, I'm going to build that railing according to the building code that has been established by the elected officials who are in authority in my state and my county. Now sometimes it gets silly, I I think about the fact that you know, I do not live in the desert. I live in the mountains. They're covered with snow. We have streams. We have rivers. We don't typically, except in times of drought, which do happen, but we don't typically have a water shortage here. Yeah. Yet, because of national building codes, which were derived from California building codes. California, you got to understand, Southern California is a desert. Southern California has no water. Southern California has to import all of its water. And because of that, they have taken great steps to save water and reduce the personal consumption of water for things other than drinking and cooking. So there are laws about watering your lawn, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And one of those laws has to deal with how much water a toilet can use when you flush it. Now you go back to the seventies and eighties, your average toilet, was three to five gallons per flush the code now is a gallon and a half that's how much water a toilet is allowed to use 1.5 gallon i think that's right what is it i gotta look it up start talking about building codes and i'm trying to do this from memory and do you have any idea how long it's been since i worked in the uh Gallons per flush toilet. Okay, let's see what we got here. I think it's 1.5. Let me look. Oh, 1.28. 1.28. Wow. Let me see. I'm looking up an article here to see what it says. But it used to be 3 to 5 gallons. And they work great. Um... And, uh, but because let's see, okay, here we go. Typical toilet water consumption based on manufacturing date 1982 and earlier five to seven gallons per flush 1982 to 1990 3.5 gallons per flush 1990 to 1994, 1.6 1.6 to 3.5 gallons per flush. 1994 to present, 1.6 gallons per flush. 2005 to present, 1.28. HET. What is HET? That's got to be a uh, HET. I don't know what that stands for. But. gallon per flush is the national standard as of 1994. So, but that's the thing. That's a standard that's derived from a desert condition in Southern California. And it makes sense in an area with very little water. So, you know, Phoenix, Vegas... You know, St. George, Utah, you're living out in the desert. It's a good place to have low-volume flush toilets. But I'm up here in Montana. I got plenty of water. I'm on my own well. We've never run out of water, never had a problem. I turn on my tap, I got water. Even in, in drought conditions, I've had water. Um, our well is very deep. The water for is good. Uh, water uh, aquifer is good. You know, why do I have a 1.6 gallon toilet? Why? I could be, you know, using a 3.5 gallon toilet or a 5 gallon toilet because I don't have a water shortage. So sometimes, you know, the, the, the moral principle of of having a building code and the uh, practicality of trying to enforce a code that's derived from one area in everywhere else doesn't make sense. Um, For the longest time, um, one of the most transported items over the Canadian border to the north of us was five-gallon flush toilets. People would drive up to, to Calgary and buy toilets and bring them down here so that they could have larger toilet tanks. Um, I don't know if you can still get those up there, but you couldn't buy them here in the United States. So people were were importing, you know, for personal use. You couldn't import them commercially, but you could go up and hit, hit uh, Home Depot in Calgary and come back with a five-gallon flush toilet. Um, I don't know if that's still a still a thing or if can, the Canadians have uh, caught up with us in our progressive gallons-per-flush toilet thing. With the way the environmental hoopla has taken over our planet, it's very possible. So the back to the 1689 the the laws that were given to israel expired with the state of israel but the moral principles but that undergirded those laws the moral principles that um that that underlay what those laws purpose was that moral moral use is still around now this is the uh um, verse that is given the, the, the scriptural proof here is, is 1 Corinthians 9 8-10 Paul writes Am I speaking these things according to human judgment or does not the law also say these things? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while it is threshing. Is God merely concerned about oxen or is he speaking altogether for our sake? Yes, for our sake it is written, because the plowman ought to plow in hope, and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crops. We talked about this uh, in, in our study Bible level Bible study of Deuteronomy, because we came across that verse very recently, uh, maybe even this week. And so that the that the workman deserves his wages, you know. And and so this is what he's saying, is that you had this specific principle, specific law, you shall not muzzle the ox while it is threshing. That's That's a very specific law. But the moral principle that underlies that law is applicable to the general population that a workman should share in the profit of his work. So that is paragraph four. So we will pick up, paragraph five is long, well, longer. We'll pick it up next week. Um, so we will go ahead and wrap up our Theology Thursday today. And Scroll down because I have notes for the entire chapter. Get down here to the apostles creed there we go let us now recite the apostles creed i believe in god the father almighty creator of heaven and earth i believe in jesus christ his only son our lord he was conceived by the holy spirit and born of the virgin mary he suffered under pontius pilate was crucified died and was buried he descended to the dead on the third day he rose again he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now the colic for the third Sunday of Epiphany. Give us grace, O Lord, to answer readily the call of our Savior Jesus Christ, and proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation, that we and the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. For guidance we pray, Heavenly Father, in you we live and move and have our being. We humbly pray you so to guide and govern us by your Holy Spirit, that in all the cares and occupations of our life, We may not forget you, but may remember that we are ever walking in your sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And for the unrepentant we pray. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for this Thursday. Hope you have a great day. The Remember, tomorrow's Friday. We, we can look forward to that. Um, as you go through today, remember, do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not to. And if you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. See you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless.